My name is Hunter Tan, and you're listening to the Legacy of Ministry podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the legacy left by my grandfather, Pastor David Tan, and his 55-year ministry. During that time, he took seriously the call to go into the world and make disciples. He traveled the world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and pastor churches in Auburn, Washington and Missoula, Montana. He had a heart for God's word. These are his sermons. And while they may be 20 years old, I know that as you listen, you will find that the word he preached is still living and active. God has never, ever once failed us. But I say, oh God, there is much more that I need from you. I need God every single day, every single moment of every single day. We need more of God. Where am I going to get my values, the word or the world? If you build them on values from the word of God, they are eternal values. How many know they're going to last forever? This is David Tan's Legacy of Ministry. I shovel snow every day this week. I think. Almost. Every day. I don't know if you're rejoicing or if you're happy that I'm getting some exercise. But um, this morning, I want to just share a short message with you, and um, just kind of what I felt the Lord was uh, speaking to me about. Some time ago, several years ago, in fact, I did a series on Nehemiah, And uh, it was so long ago that I couldn't really find all the notes that I shared at that time. But uh, I just uh, want you to just, uh, just to kind of bring you up to date on the book of Nehemiah in the first eight chapters. Uh, You remember when Nehemiah heard the news that the walls of Jerusalem had been uh, broken, they'd been torn down. And that the gates were destroyed with fire. And his heart was crushed. And he took this burden on his, on his heart. And he got on his knees and began to pray for the city of Jerusalem. And then not only did he pray, but he began to do something about it. He led the people back in the victory. They uh, got together in family groups and they began to reconstruct the walls of Jerusalem and they began to rehang the gates and against tremendous odds, uh, they uh, had to keep their minds on what they were doing. They were being persecuted Uh, It seemed like it was a hopeless situation, but God was with them. And ultimately, they finished the task. The walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt, the gates were hung, 
And then it seemed like they could settle down and say, well, we finally accomplished what we started to do. We finished the task. But there was something beyond that. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. You'll find that in chapter 9 and chapter 10 of the book of Nehemiah. After they had completed the walls of salvation and the gates of praise, and the songs of joy had filled the air, there was much more for them. They began to discover that they needed more of God. And there is more this morning for every one of us in this room. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for the gates of praise. Thank God for the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. And thank God for participation in the life and the witness of this church. But there is still more. We can go on in God and delight ourselves in the Lord and get to know him better with every passing day. Those of you that are older, I'm sure remember the song we used to sing, Sweeter as the Days Go By. How many remember that? Well, how many know that that's not just a song, but that's the way it ought to be? How many know that Jesus ought to be sweeter to us every day? It should never be a a, a thing where we get to a point and then we say, well, we finally arrived. We're here. We've been filled with the Spirit. We've, We've done all of this. We know all the right language. We can understand it all. We finally got to the place where we really don't need to go any deeper with God, but there ought to be a whole lot more for every one of us. I said there ought to be a whole lot more for every one of us. What is revival? Revival is more than activity. I remember when I was in evangelist, they would... I would come into a community and they would promote it. And you, would, you did that same thing here. We would say we're going to have a week of revival. Well, sometimes it was just meetings. Sometimes it was a great move of God. So revival is more than an activity or a meeting. Revival is more than a service. Revival is more than excitement and emotion. Revival is what happened to Isaiah. And you can read about it in Isaiah chapter 6. And I would encourage you to do so. Isaiah was a God-fearing man, a righteous man. But one day he saw the Lord. He had an encounter with God. And he said, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And there were seraphims, they had six wings. He said, two of them covered their faces, two of them covered their feet, 
and with two of the wings they flew. And they cried to each other, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. How many know that God is holy? And he saw him. He, he had a vision of that. And here is Isaiah's response. In verse number five, he said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When he saw the Lord, and he heard the seraphim saying, Holy, holy is the Lord, and had a vision of God, he began to understand that he was an unrighteous man. He was unholy. He was a man of unclean lips, and he dwelt among people of unclean lips, he said, because I have seen the Lord. And then the seraphim came and took a coal from off the altar and touched his lips. And here's what, he, what, what happened in verse number seven and eight. And he touched my mouth with it, that is the coal, and he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Revival is experiencing God in a new level, with a new depth. It's more than just being filled with the Spirit one time in your life. I've talked to people who have said, well, I, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Oh, yeah, I, I was filled with the Spirit 20 years ago. How many know that if, uh, if you had a tree and you gave it water and you never watered it for 20 years, you wouldn't have a tree? Being filled with the Spirit on a daily basis, saying, oh God, I need more of you. God, I need the fullness of your Spirit. I need a fresh touch of God on my life. And this tonight we want to have an anointing service where we're going to anoint every person in this room with oil, and we're going to pray and say, God, fill us again with the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit. It's meeting him in a more personal way, not a one-time experience. Now, Nehemiah's people, despite all that they had gone through up until now, had new heights to discover, and new depths to plunge, new relationships to experience with God. Let me tell you this morning, and I'm sure you know it, that God is inexhaustible. He is absolutely inexhaustible. How many of you know that 
that, that you, can, you never ever arrive in the Christian life. How many of you are here? The more we drink of his spirit, the more of his spirit we can drink. Somebody put it like this, God is all I need, and yet I need more of God. Nehemiah chapter 9 and 10 are the account of God's people experiencing him on a new level, finding a new dimension in their spiritual lives. And this message is for all of us in this room this morning. There is a new level of spiritual things in this year, 2004. May God help us to have a year of anointing where we are anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. What are the conditions for revival? What is it that they experienced in chapter 9? Well, one of the conditions is broken, brokenness of heart and contriteness of spirit. Let me read to you from Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together fasting and wearing sackcloth and having dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sin and wickedness of their fathers. They stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a fourth of the day and spent another fourth in confession and in worshiping the Lord their God. What a picture this is of brokenness. One-fourth of the day they spent in studying and reading the Word of God. One-fourth of the day they spent in confession and worshiping the Lord their God. Jeremiah chapter 4 says, verse 3, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Hosea says in chapter 10 verse 12, Sow to yourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy and break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord. How many understand that if the ground is hard, it doesn't take the water, it just runs off? And so he said you need to break up that fallow ground. There needs to be a brokenness. There needs to be a time when we say, Lord, we repent of our sin and our iniquity, and we ask you, Lord, to help us to break up this hard ground and let the Holy Spirit of God begin to soak into the soil of our heart once again. The Bible puts tremendous emphasis on this. If you read, if you read Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gives us seven Beatitudes. The first four have to do with conditions for being filled. And the last three have to do with the results 
in the life of a person who is filled. Let me just share the first four with you just briefly. Number one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Talking about the conditions for revival, conditions for being filled with God, knowing God on a new level, brokenness of heart and contriteness of spirit. I'm not being complacent or smug or I I don't feel like I've arrived, but I say, oh God, there is much more that I need from you. I need God every single day, every single moment of every single day. We need more of God. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, Paul is talking to Timothy and he said, neglect not the gift that is in thee. Don't neglect the gift of God that you have. And another place he says, stir up the gift of God that is in you. You've got it. It's there. The Holy Spirit came upon you. But sometimes it's so easy for us to sit back and say, well, you know, I I just have too much else going. My plate is too full with other stuff. David said, As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. How long has it been since you've been that thirsty? How long has it been since I've been that thirsty? You see, we have so much in America that it's difficult for us sometimes to get thirsty for God. We've got everything else. I've been in a lot of third world countries where they have absolutely nothing. And I've seen the hunger in their hearts. When you talk about heaven with them, there is great delight that comes to them because they know that there's a place that is much better than what they have now. But when you talk about heaven in America, it's like, oh, well, that's just another place. I've got a lot of good stuff here already. Do I really need to go there? Nehemiah chapter 9, let me read it to you again, verse 3. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one-fourth of the day, and for another fourth they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. Now, starting next Sunday night, we're going to have a one-hour Bible study. There'll be several classes. You can choose whichever one you want. And they're listed in your bulletin. We're happy to welcome uh, Jim Ramsey, one of the pastors in our community. He's going to be one of the teachers for one of these classes. And you can choose one hour of studying the Word of God. And then we're going to do one hour of praise, worship, and prayer. 
in the chapel. How many understand that even though the classes are offered and even though the prayer is offered, if you don't come, it isn't going to do you any good? Let me say that again. It's a wonderful opportunity. These people took one-fourth of the day to pray, to worship God, and one-fourth of the day to look into the Word of God. We're going to do one hour and one hour. And I would encourage you, I urge you, in fact, sign up. Pastor Ed has put in the bulletin the opportunities that are there and if you could sign up so they could assign the classes to the right rooms and so on, that would be greatly appreciated. So number one is brokenness of spirit. The second one is remember the goodness of God. They remembered the goodness of God. Reflect upon him and his faithfulness. How many understand and, and, and would say amen to the fact that God has been faithful. God has never, ever once failed us. He has always been there. In Psalm number one, it talks about the man who prospers is like a tree planted by rivers of water. And the secret is this, in God's law, he meditates day and night. I, 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 I've said to myself and I've prayed and said, oh God, help me never to forget your goodness to me. Help me never to forget all the wonderful things that you've done in my life. Help me to always remember your provision and your goodness, your mercy and all the things that you have extended to me. They remembered his goodness day and night. Our memories are often too short. God proves his faithfulness to us, and we don't keep it in mind. And so when we come up against another problem, it's almost like God isn't even there. We say, well, God, where are you? Well, remember what he did for you back then. Remember how God reached in and touched you and you don't have to panic. You can recognize that if God was there before, he is still going to be there even today. He is with you. He is always going to be. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. God has been good to us. Forget not his benefits, the psalmist said. Go to verse 17 of Nehemiah 9. Talking about forefathers... This is what it says, talking about forefathers in Egypt. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and in their rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. What were they doing? They were saying it's Moses' fault. You know, we'd have, we'd have a revival if it wasn't for Moses. There's a song we used to sing. It says, it's not my brother and it's not my sister, 
but it's me, O Lord, that's standing in the need of prayer. How many know that every one of us needs to have revival? You don't go find revival. You've got to have revival in your heart. It's got to come to you personally. It's got to come to you personally. A forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Therefore, you did not desert them. In verse 12, he said, you led us by a pillar of cloud and by day and, and a, a pillar of fire by night. God hasn't forsaken us in times past. Why should we be apprehensive about him forsaking us now? Verse 28, you heard from heaven, and in your compassion, you delivered them time after time. Oh, if we could just look back and remember and say a thousand times, God has proven himself to me. And God answered my prayer. God showed himself strong on my behalf and he was faithful. Don't ever forget and act like God has left you. Verse 30, many years didst thou forbear them, yet would they not listen. Verse 31, but in your great mercy you did not put an end to them or abandon them for you are merciful and gracious, O oh God. When you meditate on the goodness of God, you begin to realize just how good God really is. When you think about all that he has done for you and all that he wants to do for you, that's why it's important and they meditated on the goodness of the Lord. He takes lives and turns them around almost every Sunday morning. We see broken lives come to this altar and, and God puts them back together again. Some of you in this service, that happened to you just recently. Because God is good. He takes the past and he forgets. He forgives like the prodigal came back home and asked for mercy. God forgave him. Or his father forgave him, and God would forgive us. I want you to, to take the card that you have in your bulletin this morning. I don't have one here with me. But it's a little prayer card. One of the things that Isaiah saw when he saw the Lord, and the Lord said, who will go? He said, I will go. I believe that this year God wants to bless our church and God wants us. I've had people come to me and they're excited about what, what, what they feel God is doing and what God wants to do. But I, I imagine that most everybody in this room has at least one unsaved loved one. Somebody that you've been praying for. I want you to take that card and fill it out and just put the names of people that you'd like to see get saved uh, be, from now till Easter. We're going to pray every Sunday morning 
We're going to put them in this tank right here. And every Sunday morning, we're going to pray that God will, he, how many know he knows the names of the people you're going to write down? Not only does he know the names, he knows where they live. He knows everything about them. And, uh, and he's going he's gonna to speak to their hearts. We're gonna, you're going to pray every day, and we're going to pray every Sunday. In fact, during the week, I'm going to ask my staff to walk through the chapel and this building and just lay our hands on these cards and pray that God will, will just undertake for them. Little Christina came to me. Before, she was in the early service. And uh, Christina Ward, and she said, Pastor, is it time? Can I, I said, what do you mean, is it time? Well, she didn't have a card, but she took a piece of the bulletin. And she wrote the name Sam. She said, to pray for my unsaved loved ones. Is it time? I said, yeah, you can put it right in that tank. Christina has a friend by the name of Sam. She's going to pray for him. How many believe that God's going to hear what she says? And God's going to hear what you say. So I want you right now to write down the names. There's, there's room for four, three or four names. If there's more, you can write them on the back. But I want you to do that right now. Let's just bow our heads for a moment and, and just say, God, help us, help me to know who to write down. Lay somebody on my heart. And if you guys want to come on up, lay someone on my heart and write that name. If you, if you, if you can't think of somebody today, take that card with you and fill it out in the early service. I was amazed at how many people came and, and filled that little tank in there with cards. Because almost everyone has an unsaved loved one. And then 40 days before Easter, we're going to give everybody a book. It's called 40 Days with Jesus. It's a devotional book that we're gonna ask you to do with your family. So that by the time Easter gets here, I'm believing that we're gonna see hundreds of people, we could see hundreds of people come to Jesus Christ. Amen? How many believe that? I said, how many believe that? You see, if you don't write anybody down, there won't be anybody up here. But I, I, if you have somebody that needs to know the Lord, I want you to fill out that card right now. Let's stand together. And uh, Nancy, if you guys could sing something. Um, I'm going to ask you just keep as bowed. We're going to keep looking to the Lord. But I want you just to leave your seat and come and put that card right in this fish tank. We're going to leave this up here the whole time. 
Every Sunday, it'll be a reminder to us. And we're going to pray that God will get a hold of our loved ones. Help me never to forget all the wonderful things that you've done in my life. 